Hello and welcome to episode 17 of My Freelance Life, a podcast from the team here at Milo.co. I am Preston and with me on the air, as always, every episode is my good friend Andy. Hey Andy, how you doing? Hello, doing well, thanks. Good, I'm glad to hear it. If you've listened to the show before, folks, you know now that Andy here uh, quit his job to start working for himself full time. And this show is a weekly check in between me and Andy to see what really happens when you decide to be your own boss. You'll find show notes for this episode and every episode at FreelanceLifePodcast.com. And support for this episode comes from our friends at Bonsai, the number one freelance productivity suite in the world. Bonsai is like having your own completely free virtual assistant. When your client accepts a proposal, Bonsai automatically drafts up your contract. When your client signs the contract, Bonsai auto-generates the invoices. It's magical. You focus on the work you love most, and Bonsai handles the rest. Freelancers who use Bonsai get paid an average of 13 days faster and have three times fewer late payments. Put your freelancing on autopilot today by trying Bonsai at freelancelifepodcast.com slash Bonsai. That's B-O-N-S-A-I. Your first 14 days are completely free. And Bonsai is one of the best kept secrets in the freelancing world. I'm not kidding. You should try it for yourself at freelancelifepodcast.com slash Bonsai. All right. We are going to jump right into today's conversation. Andy, I'm excited to, to hear how things have gone this week for you. I don't know that I particularly have an agenda but I'm sure you have a couple of things that you want to talk about. Uh, why don't we dive right in? All right. Well, the one thing that I've been thinking of now is what we talked about last week with a website, making a, like a, a online space to showcase my portfolio and to attract customers and stuff. That's the thing that I remember most from our most recent discussion. Right. Yeah. And you were sort of figuring out a domain and, and before a domain, you had to figure out a name and it's sort of been this whole process. Yeah. And I thought, so the, in the weeks leading up to now, I guess I had been really into it, really excited about it, really um, spending a lot of time brainstorming and, and whatnot. But for some reason we talked about it last week and I just really haven't moved much further with the ideas. Uh, I thought maybe, you know, I'd have it all picked out and everything by this week, but maybe it's just cause it, it fell in priority as, as other things came up or I, I don't know, but there is, there, there are some updates from this last week. Um, we had talked about whether, what people would think of a dot IO domain name. So I, I pulled my friends on Facebook and I asked, you know, what do you think of .io, domain names? And I don't know if you happen to have seen this and uh, people's responses. I did, yeah. But I was kind of surprised. A lot of people, most people, in fact, said that they didn't like .io, anything but the usual .com and a few others, like, made them suspicious. They would, they would think it was, you know, something unestablished or whatever. And I was surprised. I thought there would be people that would say that, but I didn't know it'd be that many. Like one or two people were like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, the sort of the majority, right? One or two out of like 10 or 12 that replied maybe. And that... Like those people were just trying to not hurt your feelings or something, <laughs> right? Like, it could have been. like there was no one that was like, yeah, I love it. That's a great idea. Yeah, no one, no one was like, that's great. Now, granted, I did... I didn't use, I didn't include the name I'd been thinking of and maybe it looks better or more like okay with that. If someone's just picturing out of the blue .io, it's like, oh yeah, this is a sketchy thing. You shouldn't click or whatever. It's, you know, it's 
but if you have like an actual name or if I were to present it as a, as an email address, Andy at blah, 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 dot IO, maybe it would have looked better. I don't know, but I was surprised that people were not a fan of it. And, but I got to say, I still want it. <laughs> Even after all that, like I can't shake it out of my head. I still like the name I have. And, and I, I think it's important. I have to consider who's replying to that. And are they my, my, uh, potential user base? Well, not user base, my potential client base. And, and definitely a lot of people who replied are probably not the people that I would be talking to, but some of them definitely are. And so I, I'm trying to weigh how much all of this plays into it. And if it's really going to matter a week or two or a month or two down the road after it's established, like the people I'm talking to, will it have ever influenced them? And that's pretty much the update as far as the website and domain and name are concerned. Yeah, and like we talked about, you know, I think it was last episode when we really dove deep into this, we talked about your your audience and how and not only like who they are that and how they match I guess the people that you've pulled, but also how they get there. Like do they have to remember your URL off the top of their head or you know, will it mostly be through search or will it mostly be through ads you run on social or like and all of that can sort of impact whether this .io thing is going to work too and Yeah. The truth of the matter is you don't it's not like you forevermore have to only use .io, right? If the .com becomes available or or if you decide to change the name or if you find a .com that's similar or somehow, you know, adds like a the or a git or a like you, and we've all seen that sort of with tech startups. Mm-hmm. Um, there are options moving forward. I, I I'm kind of with you. I'd say stick with what you want to get try it out and the worst case scenario it completely flops and you find something else but if you're if you're set on the name i think that's what matters if you like the name then you can figure out a url and change it as many times as you want moving forward yeah i think i mean i've tried tried to brainstorm more since then but and maybe it's coming from like a some impatience on my part that i've just i just want to get it set up and move along and and so I just rather pick the one that I already know will work for what what I have in mind and everything. But and, I don't know, I don't maybe know that there's anything wrong with that. You know, that's sort of minimum viable approach, right? In the tech world, they talk a lot about yeah. what's the what's the minimum thing we can try to see if this will even work at all. You don't even know right now if people will you know buy services through a website. Like you have to test all of that, and you can optimize later. Yeah, that's true. I I don't know and. The, the website and the domain and everything have so many more uses than just um, trying to establish myself and get clients through there. There's a lot of other things that it would be used for. And yeah, I just got to, I just got to spend more time on it, but I've, I've been, I've not done as much this week on that particular aspect. Okay. So I want to ask a question that I saw from something in that thread uh, you mentioned, and and you can mention them on the air if you want to. I won't mention them in case you don't want to divulge them. But you mentioned a couple domains that you do own, but that are focused around your name as opposed to a business line name, like your name Andy, instead of you know Andy's business. So, oh yeah, yeah. I guess my question is: At what point did you decide it would make more sense to uh, go with? A business name or, or what some people might call like an agency name or a brand name as opposed to just Andy. 
Yeah, that's a, a good question. And it's, def- and it's something I, I thought about. There's probably two reasons why, two main uh, reasons why I went that route. And I think I, I think the question was, when did I decide that? And I think it's just been that way from the beginning. Be- and the reasons are, um, I didn't, or I wanted it to be separate from my name because I want it to potentially ha- have the ability to be used in the future for something more than just me, whether that means um, it, it does expand and include other freelancers or whether it pivots entirely and becomes more of a, a, a product, I suppose. Though now that I'm thinking about that, the name I have in mind wouldn't necessarily work for that if it became a, a product that um, helped people with the sort of things that I do. But the other reason, and I think this one is more applicable or was, is more important to me is that I, the, the websites I have that are about me, like that the name involves my name somehow, I want to preserve those to use in other ways. Like andyconlin.com is one of them that I'm okay to, to share because it's, you know, it's established. Well, it's not established. It actually needs a lot of work, but it, I have that and I, I want that to be more about me as a more about me and my humanity and not mm, about yeah. me and my work. Your work. Though so that's tied into and, and family and hobbies and Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing is what books you're reading. That's something I've been trying to figure out as well because I have some other websites as well that I've you know worked on here and there in the past. And I don't know how I want to split these things up. And this is um something I've, I've did, like had an ongoing debate with myself about, and it's, you know, do I have a one website that's separate that's just for blogging purposes, or do I have that at andyconlin.com slash blog, or do I just make andyconlin.com just my, like a, like an online portfolio CV sort of thing, which now that sounds like it might be contrary to what I said earlier, but <laughs> I just mean like, if someone heard about me from wherever they could go on there and that would have links to my business website and a link to my travel blog and a link to my social profiles and whatever. So I'm, I've debated in the past what I should put where, and that goes back to the business name being separate from my own. It's just that I want to use these domains for other purposes primarily, I think. And then this, you know, the, the other reason being that I want it to be able to grow. And if it's just andyconlin.com, then they think it's a one person show, but it might be something bigger than that. Though I suppose all that being said, I'm not opposed to having my name in it. I just don't want to use like my name.com. Like mm. if it was Conlin consulting or something like that right. along those lines, like that's as long as it feels more like it's a a business and not an individual. Yeah. I mean, you think about like, like Ogilvy, uh, which I guess, I don't know if you're familiar with, I guess one of the, one of the biggest names in advertising, um, you think about like, that's, I mean, that's his name. Right. And, but, but he also named his agency Ogilvy. So, uh, yeah, I think it has been done, you know, but, but, um, I see what you're saying, kind of, kind of separating out, uh, you as a person, I like how you put it sort of separating out your humanity from your work and your business. I I've done the same thing, you know, instead of blogging at, you know, 
whatever Preston Preston Dealey.com or whatever I whatever I have. Um, I obviously have built Milo and I did it for similar reasons. Um, you know, I, I wanted to have other people have a voice on the blog and I didn't feel like it was fair to like name the blog after me and then have a bunch of people contribute to it um, and sort of take the credit for that. I kind of wanted it to be like this this brand and this community where everyone can be a part of it and it's not about me, it's about about the people. So um, yeah, I, I think there's lots of reasons to go either direction, but I also, you know, I, I can't imagine selling Milo, but I also... I have to admit that was a consideration too. It would be a lot harder to sell Preston yeah. Lee uh, dot whatever or, or whatever domain around my name than it would be to sell a brand. If, if one day I decided I needed to, to sell again, I'm not even considering that at this point. Like it's, I can't imagine doing that, but, but I want to leave that door open so that if in 20 years I decide that that's the best route for me, then I can, I can potentially do that. So. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought of that before. Yeah, same with, you know, if you, a lot of freelancers will end up getting, you know, maybe you'll build an agency of two or three people and then an agency with 20 people might acquire you. Like there could be some of that sort of thing. And sometimes attaching your name to what you hope will be a business and, and potentially a growing business can present some problems. But it's I, I ask because it's an ongoing debate all the time in the Milo community. You know, should I use my name or should I use a business name? I think I always tell people just get started, right? But you've already done that. Again, like I said last episode, you're you're already six, eight, twelve months into this, so you have done that. You've already gotten started. You've proven it's a thing, and now now it's time to figure out what name makes the most sense for you. So it's interesting, and I and I I would probably have gone your way as well to pick a a brand name instead of your own personal name. Yeah, and I've seen I've seen some people that I follow in this in this industry who are who have gone with using their name, but, and maybe I'm just, I, I'm not reading it correctly because I only see what they're putting out online. But to me, it sometimes seems like these people are very, very much like tied to what they do. Someone who's a, who's a designer or something and they live and breathe it and they love it and they're always going to do it. And they've always wanted to do it from day one. And so for them, it's not that big a deal for it to be attached to their name because like they really want to be known for what they do and, or someone who's a writer and they're always going to write and they're going to have their blog and they also write as a freelancer or whatever the case may be. I, while I, I definitely enjoy what I do and I definitely take pride in what I do and I want what I do to be well received and I want my work to be trustworthy and everything. Um, I don't, it's not like who I am at the core. It's, it's still like just my job. And so that's another reason why maybe other people will feel okay putting, like making their brand, their name. But if my name was a brand, I don't think, I think what I do now would be a part of it, but it would, it would not be the majority of it. I see what you're saying. I think I, from what I've learned about you in the conversations that we've had, a huge part of going off on your own and, and being your own boss is to not be, uh, uh, what's the word, pigeonholed into one thing. Like you don't just want to be one thing and yeah, you want the flexibility exactly. to in two years say, no, I actually thought I wanted to be that, but now I want to be this instead. So um, 
I, I think that aligns perfectly with, with what I know about you. And I think a lot of, I think it probably resonates with a lot of people who have chosen to, or are considering, uh, you know, going full time with their own, with their own thing as well. Yeah, I, yeah, I, that's how I feel is that it's, it's something that this, what I'm doing, this freelancing is going to be there kind of operating in the background so that I can explore all these other things, not as the end in and of itself. Yeah, I love that. Well, let's jump to uh, anything else that's been happening this week. I mean, what, what else has been on your plate? How, how are your clients doing? How are your rates doing? Let's, let's talk, just shop for a little bit. Yeah. Um, let's see. So I, I, I think the, the ebb and flow of work is starting to, uh, well, I don't know if it's the ebb or the flow. Let's see. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's, it's starting to build up again, but not necessarily with new clients. Um, but the, a couple that I do have now are having some deadlines approaching with a decent amount of work still to do. And that, and so I'm starting to like buckle down and get ready for the next week and a half or so as things are going to, I'm going to have to be putting on a lot of time. And this is, this is not so much, um, from external forces, but just from internal patterns that, I, when the, when the deadline's far out, I kind of go, you know, take it easy and whatever. And as the deadline gets closer, then it kind of pushes me to, to put more work in. And so that's what I'm anticipating for the next week or week and a half is putting in a lot of hours, finishing up some projects. And it's going to be good because along with that, when, because these are hourly projects that as this happens. I'll also be making more in the next couple of weeks, which will be good. And, um, just also getting back into a, a good pattern in general and a good, uh, good habits and such with making sure I'm building enough hours in the day to, to make, keep, to keep this sustainable. So that's one thing coming up that I'm looking forward to. Um, let's see what else is going on. Oh, you asked about rates. There, here's an, uh, something that happened last week, I believe I mentioned that a client that I had previously had at a lower rate came back and wanted me to to update something about the project I made for them. And they just hired me a pair, either when, when we discussed this, either they didn't notice it or it didn't bother them or whatever, but they just hired me at my current posted rate, which is I think double what they originally or more than what they originally hired me at. And so that is a project that was going to be happening, but unfortunately it is not oh, no. anymore. So I thought I, I thought I had landed my second like high rate um, client and I, and I did, I guess, but as we talked about it, it just became apparent that they wanted me to update something, but they were only potentially going to be using it once and the process that it does can be done manually. And so I was, as we discussed it, we, we just decided that it would make more sense to just run it manually this time. And if they find that they're going to have to do it this way, this new way multiple times in the future, then it'll make sense to, to automate it. But for the time being it, they were just under their IT team was under some stress. And so they were trying to do this and I, after consulting with them, they, we decided to not do that. 
So I think I build like 10 minutes or something at that, this, you know, <laughs> high rate, but. Okay. So that opens a few questions. One was, yeah, did you charge a consulting fee, which it sounds like you basically just charged your hourly rate times about 10 minutes of, of chatting or something. The, the other, the other question that I had, or I guess of observation that I had was that it, it doesn't sound like it necessarily got canceled because of your rate. Now that might have been a consideration, right? They might right. have said, ah, it's worth it this one time at a quarter of the price, but at your full price of your new rate, it's not really worth it because this is a one time occurrence. And I think this is, this is a, a valuable lesson for you and I and for the listeners in value-based pricing, right? What they saw, even though, even though you're working under an hourly contract, um, technically speaking, it, all pricing is still based on the value that you drive to your client. And I'd love to know if you agree, I guess, with the sentiment, but basically they didn't see enough value. It's not that you wouldn't have done good, a good job or good work, but they didn't see enough value to their business, back to their business, back to their bottom line, back to their processes, whatever it might be, whatever their results they're trying to get. They didn't see enough value coming from that, you know, X, that, well, actually the four times or whatever amount that you charged in the previous time, they didn't see enough value to justify making that payment. It just didn't make sense. It wasn't that they didn't like you. It wasn't that they didn't think you would do a good job. It just didn't make business sense. And so the value wasn't, wasn't there. And so in, in reality, this was sort of a value-based situation. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, I think that makes sense. This was kind of a, an interesting situation because I think the client was like ready to go. And as I was asking questions about it to better understand it, to make sure I could, I could do the project. I, I feel like I ended up convincing them not to, not to hire me. And, and I think that that's okay if that's what's better for them. And, and, but as I was just asking questions and, and about like, okay, so this is a new, a new uh, maybe it's easier to just quickly describe it so it makes sense. They they basically have a system that exports a report of of salespeople and what they've sold so far that year, and then but it's not very easily readable. So I made a a, a system that will process that and and strip it down and split shared accounts so that it gets attributed to each salesperson appropriately, and then it has a nice dashboard to look at it and see what percentage they're at for their yearly goals. Anyway, so they have this spreadsheet or this uh, report that comes out of their system and I've already built this, but then now they're starting to use a different report that comes out of their system. So I was asking them like, are you going to be using this one a lot in the future? Are you switching to using this new format and I need to rebuild this to parse a new report or do you just need to do it this one time and then in the future, you'll go back to using the previous one. And they said, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe we will just go back to using the other one. And the report that it puts out is like less than a hundred rows long. So it's not like it would take that long to process it manually. And, and they decided to go that route back to like the value-based thing. It could definitely be because of the, um, because of what the cost would be because the, the client asked how, how long it would take and I said, oh, it'd be about this many hours because we kind of have to, since it's a totally different format in a way, we have to start from scratch and I just have to build a totally separate parsing system for this. And, and so when I told them the, the, the amount of hours it would take, maybe, maybe they did look at that. 
though at, at the time that I told them the hours, it wasn't then that they decided not to. Like then we had a discussion. And then at the end of that discussion, they said, yeah, maybe we won't do it this time. But in the future, if we need it, we'll add it. So I don't know. I, it, I'm sure it weighed into it, or I'm guessing it weighed into it at least slightly, but it wasn't at the time of me telling them that, that they decided not to. So what did it, was it valuable enough to pay what I was um, estimating it would cost? I, I really don't know in this situation. Hmm, that's, that's really, really interesting. I, I wonder... Oh, yeah, I wonder. It'd be fun to to ask them. I mean, I know obviously we can't, but it'd be fun to ask them. Yeah. I think though, I think you did the right thing. I mean, there's so much goodwill. Look, these like these people already came back to you once, so obviously they liked your work the first time. They know about you. There, you are the person they think about when they have certain kinds of problems that need solved, and the chances are there will be more to be solved in the future and and you could have taken their money this time and and then you know they might have found out on the on the at the end of the project as they're writing a check they realize that they kind of didn't need to spend that money and then there's some resentment there and and potentially that could damage a long-term relationship so i think even though you left some money on the table in the short term here i really think you probably made the right decision even from a business point of view, not even getting into, you know, morally and ethically, but even just from a business point of view, I think you made the right decision in terms of building rapport and goodwill with, with that client that could be a potential long-term client and bring you lots of work in the future. I agree. I don't know what would have happened in this particular situation, but as a general rule, I definitely want to be helping the client pick the best solution for whatever their need is in general, like this sounds like a sales pitch, but like, I really mean it. Like I want to, like you said, I just want them to have the best solution. I don't want to charge them for things that they're not actually going to use. Like, in fact, a a big part of what I do is trying to make things for people that are exactly what they need to do, you know, a very exact thing to make their lives easier. So if I ended up trying to like build someone a system that had like three extra bells and whistles that they don't need that I'm going contrary to like my own value proposition. Yeah. And I think, I think I I love, I just love your approach to it. Many freelancers in my experience see the client as the enemy or maybe not the enemy, but like the opposing team, (laughs) right? The opponent. Yeah. Like the opponent instead of, instead of thinking, no, I'm on their team. We're on the same side. We're fighting for the same thing. And and if you can, instead of always being defensive and 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 treating them as an opponent, if you can instead be cooperative and treat them as coworkers and colleagues, and and like you're on the same team and reaching for the same goal, you'll find that that your freelancing and your relationship with your clients, particularly, gets so much easier. In my experience, I've I've done a little of both. Right in my younger years, I pushed back against clients, and I I sort of saw them as opponents. Uh, more recently, I have realized that they are teammates, and it it completely changes your happiness as a freelancer. It completely changes your the satisfaction you have with the work that you do and the relationships that you have with clients. So I I really am impressed that you're able to do that from from you know relatively early in sort of your full-time freelancing um, you, but, but that just is a testament to your character. I just happen to know that your character is just that way. You just, you think that way a lot more naturally than I do, or maybe some other people would. So, well, I, 
Thank you. I, I think a lot of it goes to also, I've been lucky to have some awesome clients. And even from the beginning, they were just really um, easy to work with, really welcoming even. Um, some, of my, some of my clients that they treat me like a teammate, not just like some somebody who's going to get a quick job done and then move on. I Though I have had some clients and they were like in the grand scheme of things, like good clients. They brought in a lot of work for me to do. They sustained me for a month or more um, because of that. But it was just because of maybe because of their personality or because of the, maybe the stress they were under for this particular project or whatever the case may be, it was not as pleasant to work with. And I felt myself wanting to like kind of push back in, in certain things like they were very demanding or, or really needed like me to be always available as if I was working nine to five with them. And I, and we never established that up front. If we had, it would be a different Bye. story, but Anyway, I, I do, I do like trying to, trying to keep that, that mindset of, of being on the same team. I haven't thought of it like that before, but I think subconsciously that's what I've tried to do. And I think because I saw from the beginning, I didn't know what I was getting into, but the clients I had, like they showed me or they, they showed that example. And that's just, I think maybe what I just assumed it would be like, I never had to like think about it and decide what to do. That's just, that was just the default. Yeah, for me, I, I, guess. From, I mean, from what I know about you personally, it seems like that would be your default. And then, and then, you know, I think, I think it's important to point out too, being on their team doesn't necessarily just being a yes man. I mean, you think about at a, at a nine to five job, you're on the same team with a group of people. That doesn't always mean you just say yes to whatever and you go along with whatever. It actually maybe means the opposite. You know, a good teammate might challenge a certain way of thinking or might uh, come up with a better solution or might, make suggestions that aren't always easy. So I guess, yeah, there's this, there's this fine line between, you know, making your clients happy, but also, but, but I think the more valuable freelancers aren't just yes, yes, people, (laughs) they, uh, they also, they really deeply care about the results that they're bringing their clients. And that's when real trust and real rapport are built with, with client between clients and freelancers. Yes. I agree. <laughs> I was thinking of uh, contradicting you just uh, just to prove the point, but I, I do agree. Oh, I set me. you up for that one, didn't I? <laughs> uh, well played. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A, a bit. I was still listening, <laughs> even though I was planning that in the middle. I was definitely listening, and I and. In all, in all seriousness, I, I do, I do agree with what you say. I think that's a good, that's a good thing to remember in life too. Like, it's not just your, your coworkers, it's your, yeah your friends, your family, your um, consults, consultants or whatever, or, or mentors or something. You want people who will help you become what you, what you want to become, um, regardless of whether that means agreeing with you or calling you out when you're doing something that's not going to get you where you want to be. I love that. We're going to end on that because I think that's beautifully, beautifully said and um, very, very true. So 
we will we will wrap up the show here um, as a reminder for listeners show notes for this episode and all of our episodes can be found at freelancelifepodcast.com and again as one final reminder this episode is brought to you by our friends at Bonsai uh, just recently I got off the phone with one of the founders co-founders at Bonsai they are doing some incredible things for freelancers I'm not this isn't just marketing jargon by the way I, I'm, I didn't you know get a script from them that said that Bonsai is one of the best kept secrets in freelancing it literally not that many people know about bonsai relatively speaking but in my experience as i've really dug deep into how to use bonsai as a tool for my own freelancing and my own small business it's really a fantastic tool so uh, be sure to take a look at it we are affiliate partners with bonsai so if you visit uh, just their regular website. We will not get any sort of uh, revenue, which we actually use to support this show and keep this show running and other, uh, you know, things that we keep running, other shows and other initiatives that we have at Milo to support freelancers. So we would love it if you could visit this specific URL, which is freelancelifepodcast.com slash bonsai, B-O-N-S-A-I, uh, freelancelifepodcast.com slash bonsai. That'll if you sign up through that link, that'll give us a little kickback of, uh, of the sign up fee that they will charge you after your 14 day trial. And it will support me and Andy to continue to produce this show for you guys. So thank you in advance for doing that. Uh, this is obviously the show is a production of Milo.co. You can learn more about us at M I L L O.co and our podcast. We have other podcasts there. You can listen to as well. The theme music for this, uh, particular show is called road trip it's by joaquin Garud. the episode is edited by danny gilman and we will talk to you next week on episode 18 of my freelance life we'll talk to you soon bye